Hi, I'm Victor Milligan. And I'm Jennifer Isabella. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means. We explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. On the phone with us today is Toma Hussan, Vice President and Principal Analyst at Forrester, to discuss where we are and where we're going with augmented and virtual reality. Welcome, Toma. Hi, happy to be here. So let's start from a definitional standpoint. What is AR and VR and what are the differences uh, just so we can get a grounding on these on this topic. Right. Good question, because there's lots of confusion between VR and AR. Uh, so just to put things simply, virtual reality replaces the real world, while augmented reality enhances our world but does not replace it. So to define AR more specifically, it's the virtual overlay of contextual digital information that a computer generates on a physical world object. Maybe you can provide a little bit more context in terms of where we are today with the two technologies. And that could be even from like a consumer adoption perspective or uh, just how advanced the tech is. Um, I think it's still early days for both technologies. Both technologies have been around for quite some time, but they are only starting to enter the broader consumer space. There's been lots of hype uh, in 2016 with VR, and oh, I mean, in the past two years, you know, with um, the new VR headsets and with augmented reality and the Pokemon Go craze of, uh, you know, 18 months ago. Uh, but it's still early days. Uh, both technologies are going to be quite disruptive, but as always with emerging technologies, uh, they do not happen and it does not happen overnight. It takes, you know, several years for these, it's going to take several years for this technology to scale and become mass market. From a technology standpoint, let's look at VR because it's probably a heavier toll on the technology. What is the expected evolutionary path in terms of, let's say, the devices, the design, the computing power, all the things that would have to be in place? And, and what are some of the key milestones to look for in that evolutionary path? Um well, if we look at VR more specifically, um, I think the first step is about device penetration. It's still quite niche today. I mean, if you look at Sony PlayStation, for example, one of the, the best-selling VR headsets, we're talking of roughly, uh, you know, north of 1.5 million devices uh, sold globally. So, you know, as you can tell, it's still a very limited uh, adoption rate. I think content costs are still quite high if you want to produce. I'm not talking of a 360 video. I'm really talking about a fully immersive, you know, virtual reality experience. It's still quite costly, and it's it's relatively complex from, you know, a production standpoint because you don't want to have a standalone VR experience. You want to make sure it's connected to, uh, you know, your processes, to your uh, marketing systems, or in, your information systems. And so there's lots of, of work to be done to align different partners and systems to make this happen. Um, and I would add, in terms of milestones, I think what's going to change the game moving forward is how you combine uh, or senses. I mean, what I mean by this is the, the ability to use haptics research and to combine uh, sight, sound, and touch to create a fully immersive experience. And we're going to get there over the next couple of years lots of advancement in the technology, but I think we need these building blocks to be in place to truly be able to scale the technology um, moving forward. 
And there's a little bit of Moore's law here, which is that there's just a fundamental expectation that computing power will continue to exponentially improve so that, again, the heavy toll that VR will play is merely sort of a meeting place a couple of years from now where the computing power sort of catches up to the VR needs. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's very true, and I think moving forward, it's it's going to be about how how you enhance VR with sensory devices to increase the immersive and and somehow the realistic nature of virtual experiences, so that you the, the user transition from being a passive participant to to a live actor. So I think VR will will you know will be combined with other new technologies. I, I mentioned body haptic feedback, but it's also going to be about wearables, things like even, you know, connected gloves and how to immerse consumers in a, in a, in a let, let's call it a personal bubble of a full sensory experience. And, and things I think are slightly different for, for AR. I mean, in terms of the, the maturity of the technology, uh, AR will, will scale faster than, 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 than virtual reality. I, I kind of annoyingly return, as you know, Jen, back to Star Trek because Star Trek had those really cool holograms. You go in there and they play around and there's Moriarty in there. Are we heading towards sort of a hologram in VR? Is that, are those the same topics or just me sort of watching Star Trek again in my head? <laughs> well, I, I think at, at the end of the day, the, 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 I think the best way to uh, sort of summarize what, what VR is all about is this idea that, well... Somehow, with with internet, you are able to access and share information. Well, with virtual reality, you're going to be able to share experiences, and and by experiences, it's going to be a somehow a combination of what you described. I mean, it's it's not sci-fi, and it's going to take some time before we get there. But yeah, I think that's the direction, and I think that's the reason why these disruptive technologies are, uh, you know so much hyped and why some investors are betting so much in them. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, some companies in the space have raised close to $2 billion. I mean, it's a huge amount of money. So uh, I guess that's because they could potentially disrupt some existing business models. So where are we today in terms of the technology? Is there a standard technology and you're talking about kind of plugging into ecosystems or partners is, you know, is that just a company's tech and they're building their own tech or are we seeing sort of standards form um, for the industry? Um, I think what is changing today and why we're going to see AR, uh, you know, grow faster than VR is because augmented reality as is becoming a platform play. Yeah. Uh, it's not just about, you know, having the device in your hands. It's about how developers can tap into software that is relatively standardized to build new experiences on top of the devices. And so, as, as you know, Apple introduced AR kit in iOS 11. Mm-hmm. Um, Google moved away from a, a, a more device-centric approach with Tango to enable uh, developers to tap into AR core. Facebook is doing the same thing with its 
camera FX platform. So at the end of the day, it's a platform play. And what it means is that all of a sudden, particularly for AR with iOS 11, developers have access to hundreds of millions of devices. So it creates scale automatically. Uh, and so I think from an ecosystem standpoint, uh, augmented reality is, is more major than, than VR. And that's the reason why we expect the technology to grow faster. On the VR side, you mentioned a $2 billion of investment. Is part of that investment thesis either that they will cause the standards to be favorable to them or because they, they need the standards to be in place and they expect them to be in place? Because I can imagine standards are necessary, to your point, to get a whole host of developers across the globe to design Scale, in one yeah. context. That's uh, yeah, that's a very good point. I think I mean the two billion uh, you know dollars investment I mentioned was for Magic Leap, and and I mean we we haven't we have yet to see a product that they've released more recently SDK, but it's it's not. I mean it's it's fascinating to me that a company could raise up to two billion dollars without even launched having launched a product. But the idea behind this embed is to have some kind of a standard uh, to make this work across platforms. Uh, the reality though is that it's likely going to be uh, a, a multi-platform approach based on the ecosystem of the main digital platform players. So, I mean, uh, you know, Apple, Google, Facebook, and, and the likes. Uh, and I think that's, that's the road we're, we're going to take moving forward. As to the point of combination, Toma, which is, you know, as I think of this and I think of the, a more sort of immersive VR environment, I, I look at it as much more of an anticipatory thing, which is I, I might have to anticipate the actors in the play. So therefore, I'm leaning on technologies like AI to provide both the computing power, but also sort of the learning mechanisms that would be in place within VR as well. Do those things dance together here in the evolutionary path? Absolutely. And I think this is what's going to make the difference. I mean, if you look at augmented reality, for example, uh, you can easily think of how to combine uh, this technology with other connective tissue technologies. I mean, think of QR codes, image recognition, face recognition, motion tracking. It's going to be about sensing the world around us. And if you combine this with artificial intelligence, I mean, at the very end, it's, you know, to, to to, to process huge volumes of data from the, the image and the faces surrounding us, it's, it's going to be about combining these technologies. And, and, and that's why it doesn't make a lot of sense to look in isolation at one of these technologies. It's really about the ability to combine them to either create a new experience or uh, a more disruptive business model. Yeah, so let's move the conversation from the actual tech to the use cases. So can you maybe provide us context or examples of, you know, some of the more obvious use cases that are in market maybe even today, and then um, a few far-reaching examples that we should be talking about to think differently about how these uh, technologies could be applied to different industries? Um, yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, VR uh, and, and AR2 are going to start and are actually starting in the you know gaming and entertainment industry. Uh, 
for VR, it, it makes a lot of sense uh, because it's about you know uh, a, a digital experience, and it's about uh, you know Sony and the likes truly providing a more uh, immersive experiences. Uh, but we're starting to see, to your point, uh, other industries uh, starting to tap into the opportunity, uh, particularly automotive and and um, you know hospitality and to a lesser extent retail when it comes to to virtual reality. Uh, And I think a broader spectrum of interest and opportunities with uh, augmented reality for FMCG brands and because the experience is less costly to build and doesn't have to be fully uh, immersive. So a set of different uh, opportunities. Uh, by and large, though, I think it will mostly uh, start in the B2B environment and industrial space, particularly when you look at virtual reality. And when you mentioned automotive in the industrial space, is that for the design of the automotive or is that a consumer-facing thing where they get to actually sort of virtually test drive the cars or different options within the car, or is it both? Uh, it is both. I mean, the, the first point you mentioned has been uh, available for quite some time, and most automotive brands have used uh, virtual reality and in the, the the process of designing cars and collab- collaborating internally to uh, speed the process uh, and and to to reduce cost. Uh, I think what is relatively new is the ability to use uh, VR and AR to have some kind of a you know try before you buy experience and some kind of a you know a, a virtual test drive. Uh, the automotive industry is probably one of the most advanced and. Uh, they are, uh, you know, depending on the brands, but they are projects where some of the automotive brands will roll out VR experiences at hundreds of, of, of car dealerships. So uh, that's something that is starting to scale, and we'll see a lot more of that this year and next year. Yeah, and as, as you related to the dealership, I imagine that at some point in time, AR and VR are essentially accretive to the dealership. It adds services, experiences for the customer. But at some point in time, there is a question, which is if I can virtually test drive the car, am I given the opportunity to displace the dealership in the same way Tesla is dealership less in the U.S.? Is, do you see that disruptive impact using just this example? Um, I, I don't necessarily will go at that stage or that there will be a, a massive impact in terms of sort of replacing the, the, the dealership. I think it's more about, it's more like for some retail stores, it's about, it's more about digitizing the experience and improving the, the, the retail experience than fully replacing it. VR make, makes a lot of sense for products that, are, that have a, a that are relatively costly and where the path to purchase is complex. And automotive is, is definitely, you know, a category like this. But you could think of a house or a real estate company. They're also leveraging virtual reality. Uh, it gives you a flavor of, you know, what the apartment or the house looks like. But at the end of the day, uh, you're probably going to end up visiting it in, in person, right? Um, so uh, I think it's it's going to be a combination of both. And it's, it's, it's definitely one way 
to uh, you know digitize the car dealerships and innovate for uh, for some of the automotive brands. BMW, for example, uh, very recently launched uh, what they refer to as an augmented trial. Uh, they did this on Snapchat um, using some of the you know the filters that Snap is 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 offering to simply you know give you a sense of what's the reality of the you know the the vehicle. How does it looks like? How does it look like internally? So it's it's also being used from a you know more of a of a marketing and a communication standpoint. But I'm going to stay with a retail question, uh, Tomai. You already have an attack on brick and mortar without this capability, just digitizing the path to purchase. Now, and, and part of the argument of going into a store is I get to try it on. I get to see it and feel it and stuff like that. That gives me comfort in the purchase. But if that's done in VR, then the store is further unnecessary unless the store is providing extraordinary service on top of digital dichotomy. Um. I see your point, but I think VR is going to be used more in a, in a B2B2C environment because to truly deliver a fully immersive experience, I mean, it's quite costly in units and physical space to do this. It's not going to be you testing everything with your VR headset at home. It's not going to be the same kind of experience. And when you talk about sort of, you know, experiential shopping, and, and at the end of the day, this is the entertainment part of shopping that's going to be prevalent moving forward, and that's why we see all these new flagship stores and these new experiences. And, and when you look at what's going on in China, for example, I mean, Alibaba bought several, you know, physical retail chains uh, one or two years before Amazon bought Whole Foods. And the way they're starting to digitize these experiences is to add AR and VR uh, to truly deliver a, a more, um, you know, uh, experiential approach to, to shopping. Yeah. In, in an earlier podcast, we had Laura Ketzel and Carl Doty on talking about sort of autonomous vehicles going forward but less so the autonomous vehicles, but actually autonomous cities because the entire infrastructure is enabling uh, the vehicles to, to be there. I mean, to enabling it both from a vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle and vehicle-to-infrastructure communications. Do you expect AR, VR to play sort of a seminal role in actually city design so they can contemplate what is the full impact? What does it look like? How does it work in terms of unveiling an autonomous city, if you will? Absolutely. There is a fascinating case study in the city of Singapore. They've worked with Dassault system leveraging their, you know, uh, AR and VR capabilities to, to, to do exactly what you're describing here and anticipating, you know, what, what a smart city would look like using 3D models pretty much almost in, in real time and combining this with uh, other technologies like, like AI to sort of predict, uh, you know, behaviors within the city and, and, and yeah, some, some, some players, some smart cities are tapping into this. It's more of a pilot stage now in, in some cases in, in Singapore and Saudi Arabia and, and other you know, parts of the world that are quite advanced in the, in the smart city move. But that's, that's another way that technology can be used. Yeah, it just does strike me that because we've, we've had conversations about the operational disruption associated with AI. I mean, AI in theory, will remake the way insurers work. It, it's, it's not just a cool technology. It is operationally disruptive or it creates new operational opportunities. You have right behind it AR and VR, which is a second wave of sort of remaking some of the operations because either way you're digitizing existing operations or displacing them with virtual. I mean, you can see this 
as a business leader has to see it from a technology standpoint, as an enhancement standpoint, and then really reshaping operations. But not technology by technology, to Tomas' point. It's VR, AR, plus AI, and all of these yeah, things yeah, that are coming down the line. Yeah, and I think, I mean, to, to your point about disruption, um, when I think about AR and the, the bigger impact it's going to have and, you know, down the road, uh, I think we'll see AR as uh, a third state uh, in between somehow the online and the offline world uh, where you could share experiences. There's this, this uh, I don't know if you remember in one of the you know, Facebook conferences, uh, Mark Zuckerberg talk about AR thing, you know, in 10 years time, people will stand around and look at blank walls. <laughs> and the idea behind this is this notion of an AR cloud. It's sort of a shared memory of the physical world where uh, you could almost turn the entire world into a shared spatial screen, enabling uh, multi-user engagement and collaboration, some kind of a soft 3D copy of the world where information would be reorganized at its origin and be made available in the real world across space, time, and devices. And we're not there yet. Uh, it's more of the vision of what what will happen, uh, you know, in in at least ten years. But I think it's it's that's where you see you know the the, the potential, the why it's potentially game changing, uh, and why these digital platforms and all these players are investing. In, in, in these kind of technologies. So, you know, we've talked about a few of these use cases, some of them obvious, some of them a little bit more far-reaching, but I imagine that in some of your conversations, you're approached with skepticism about the adoption of this technology. So how are firms kind of grappling with when and how to invest in the tech? Um, uh, <laughs> I think... Uh, I mean, there is no real sort of one science feeds all answer to that to that question. I think it really depends on the appetite of your customers for, uh, at least if you look at the consumer-facing applications, you know, to which extent are consumers, I mean, your best uh, customers, uh, not the average customer, but your best customers uh, willing to, you know, test these new technologies. And then if you look at virtual reality, um, I mean, we created a framework to look at, uh, to evaluate the opportunities. So, I mean, the more complex the path to purchase, if it's a long purchase cycle, or if it's a high cost, or, you know, a rational purchase, if it's highly experiential, uh, if you truly need to create, if you're an inspirational brand and truly need to create sort of a high brand differentiation and, and need a stronger emotional connection, that, then, you know, Veer is, is, is definitely something you want to, the pilot at at least. And when it comes to scaling the technology, I think it, it matters to be ready when the technology will scale. And right. we're not necessarily there yet. So that's why you need to, to look at all the weak signals and, and to get ready when the, the KPIs that matters to your specific business and your specific industry uh, will, will move to green. Um, and, and for AR, um, I, I think the, uh, honestly, the the technology will, stay, will will scale faster, and so uh, 
2018-2019, it's mostly going to be about, you know, social and gaming apps. But we're starting to see uh, some other brands, you know, whether you look at any kind of product you need to unbox, uh, think about, you know, Lego or think about what Ikea is doing so that you can yeah. test uh, your furniture uh, and how it looks like in your home. Uh, so in terms of prioritization, it's, it's a matter of uh, – getting ready for when the technology will scale because it has a big impact on um, you know your your systems of insights and and about your your IT infrastructure it's about having lots of 3d content it's about um, you know rethinking your your CMS your content management systems and it's it, it's not going to happen overnight so you need to prepare for it even though uh, it's still early days so it intrigues me in this podcast because when I entered into this, I, I did think of AR as sort of here now and virtual reality as next. And that we would come across a set of use cases that were more dreamy than rational or pragmatic. And what we went through today was actually that the use cases are rather pragmatic now. And then we look at the tech and tech is a matter of time and price point will follow scale. And so you have this natural positive cycle happening so I'm an executive, and to your point, I might have to make different choices and investments, but, but what does it mean to an executive who's thinking of sort of a breakout strategy leveraging AR, VR, and creating that differentiation that it may provide? I think to, to make the most of uh, these technologies, and, and particularly AR, I, I mean, if you think about augmented reality, it mobile will scale uh, AR, I would consider augmented reality as an adjacent technology. So I think first and foremost, you need to fix your mobile foundation if you haven't done so yet, because you're not going to be able to take advantage of augmented reality uh, if you do not have an advanced uh, uh, integration of mobile into your strategy. Um, that would be, a, you know, I think a first, uh, a first part of the answer. And, and the second one would be, uh, I, I mean, I quite like this quote from, from Bill Gates. I think he said once uh, that, that uh, you know, people always overestimate what they can do in, in one year and underestimate what they can do in 10 years. And I think this, is the, this applies perfectly for, you know, augmented reality and, and virtual reality. Thank you for joining us today, Tama. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And don't forget to leave us a review. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.